So as it says, I'm going to do defining moments in our lives. This is actually one of them, right here. Me, being up here. As you, saw, as you heard, I'm floating. Amazing, see? It's amazing. All right, so before I get going, uh, we already did the announcements. Let's, uh, let's prayer. Let's have a prayer here. Father, open my eyes so I can see your truth. Open my ears so I can hear your voice. Open my mind so I can understand your word. And open my heart so I can receive all that you want me to receive. Amen. How many of you remember uh, or have seen the Roadrunner cartoons? Roadrunner Wiley Coyote, right? Chases the, chases the Roadrunner and he inevitably ends up in a tight situation. The Coyote is chasing the bird and he fails every time. Every time. He will explode, have a rock fall on him, have an Acme device malfunction or fall off the edge of a cliff. But every once in a while, as the, coy as the coyote falls, he grabs hold of a twig sticking out of the side of the cliff. But we all know what's going to happen. We've all seen it. We all know what's going to happen. He hangs there for a short time. And then, of course, the twig snaps and he falls, <whistles> hitting the ground in a big puff of dust. Poof. It doesn't matter how strong the coyote's grip was. It doesn't matter how determined the coyote was. It doesn't even matter how good his Acme equipment was. When the twig breaks, the coyote falls. Poof. I'm not going to whistle this time. Many of us have a Christian walk like Wiley Coyote, don't we? We buy the best available equipment for our walk of faith. We buy a study Bible, solid Christian books, maybe even a Bible computer program. I've got all of those, actually. <laughs> we attend service. We take notes even go to a midweek study of some kind. In fact, there are times where we seem to have caught on and then we fall off the cliff. <whistles> Poof. Big puff of dust. For the <laughs> so I can hear it. That's the, pr the problem is I can hear the, on the cartoon. I can see that puff of dust. For you see, the key to a great faith is not how strong we are, but what the faith holds on to that is strong. If faith holds on to a breakable twig, then no matter how strong the grip is, that faith will fall, just like Wile E. Coyote. Fortunately, we have something to hold on to that is strong, in fact, stronger than anything we could build ourselves up to. In fact, stronger than anything that can come against us, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to dig deeper about this, but first I want to play this short music video, which actually inspired me to do this sermon. So if you want to plug that in. Every time I try to make it on my Every time I try to stand and start to fall and all those lonely roads that I traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I. 
Actually, it it just brings emotion when you uh, when you hear it. It's awesome, just awesome. After hearing that song for the very first time, the thing that came to mind for me was the woman at the well, and I started thinking about, and it inspired this uh, whole thing for me. So let's take a look. I'm gonna right now. We're going to John uh, chapter four. Verses 1 through 26. And I am going to read this one. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. 
when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands. You've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now if you think about it, think about just what was said there. Most of the women came in the morning because it was cooler. It gets super hot in that area. I mean super hot in the area. So she came in the middle of the day to get water in the hottest part of the day because she didn't want to go uh, to be around all that chit-chat gossip. And we actually already really know why. You read any of the, this piece of the Bible. But when she actually got to the well, <laughs> Jesus was there. There was Jesus. We can find Jesus anywhere, even at a well in the scorching heat. We find Jesus imprisoned. Isn't that right, Billy? Billy and Michael and no others have gone to prison ministry and work prison ministry. And, and they come to Jesus that way too. People listen to our sermons all over the world. Michael talks about it all the time, where people are listening from every corner. There was Jesus. I'm super glad that we can do that. Now in John 4:39, the woman discovered forgiveness. It's a great verse, and you should read it later, or now, or whenever. A woman walks to the well to gather water. She was a sinful outcast. That's why she was there in the heat of the day. And after meeting Jesus, she actually changed her entire town. Again, just read into the story there. You think about where she came from and what she did. And she changed the people in the town. She changed everything about it and how it worked. It's just unbelievable. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper here. Now, just like the song says that you heard, Jesus was there in the moment. There was Jesus. It's amazing what God will do when we trust him, believe in him, 
and we're open to his forgiveness. So the next slide. So at the beginning, my sermon is about defining moments. I said at the beginning, the, the, the sermon's about defining moments. So what actually is a defining moment? So let's just dig into that a bit. So a defining moment is a moment that defines something. Duh. So it's something such as success, failure, achievement, demise, talent, etc. It's a point at which the glory or character of a person, group, etc. is revealed or identified. A defining moment can be a moment of crisis, a moment of breakthrough that turns a person's life around. What does a defining moment mean to you? I'm sure you can think of one as soon as I asked. I could as soon as I started writing it. You start thinking of all the defining moments. I used to write them down actually all the time and I quit and I probably should start back up again because it's encouraging to look at all these defining moments in your life and that, you've, that uh, Jesus has taken you through. Every single life is built upon a series of defining moments. Some of these could be a moment of crisis such as the death of a loved one, an illness, accident, job loss, divorce, domestic violence, abuse, bad relationships, sin, debt, and I can just go on. It could also be a moment of joy and celebration, like a wedding, a graduation, a promotion, new jobs, new birth, birthday, salvation, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or water baptism. And there's lists and lists and lists. It could be a moment of forgiveness, a moment that you allow all the pain, bitterness, hurt, and anger to die. Now, all these moments are defining moments because they do not only change the direction of our life, but they literally change your personality. Every time you go through one, it changes basically your personality. The other day, Diane and I went to see, actually a week ago, Diane and I went to see some close friends of ours in Charlotte, and we decided at that point, Diane decided, to, <laughs> to go to the Billy Graham Library. And I was thrilled. No, I wasn't. I, I thought, oh, really? Do I, need to, do I really need to go to the Billy Graham Library? And we'd never been, so I didn't know what to expect. But I got to tell you, it was definitely worth the visit. It's not what I expected. And I, I didn't tell you what I expected, but it just wasn't. It's all about Jesus. It's, it's a very cool place to visit. Billy Graham's defining moment was in May of 1934. Now, for some of you really young people around here, that sounds like ages ago. It was. <coughs> Excuse me. The Christian businessman of Charlotte, North Carolina, secured permission to hold an all-day prayer meeting at the Graham farm. See, the Graham, Billy Graham's family were farmers. And that's, when you go down to the library, it's all taken, it looks like a, an old barn, and it's actually pretty clever. So on that day, a prayer was raised that out of Charlotte, the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. It was in that year, the previously reluctant Billy Graham, because he was asked before, he was talked about before, and he said, nah, I don't want to do that. He gave his life to the Lord at a revival meeting led by a traveling evangelist, Reverend Mordecai Ham. I think that's a great name, Mordecai. At 16 years old, 16, Billy Graham was about to experience the transformation of the traditional farm boy into an instrument of God. So it seems that a defining moment can come at any age. Let's look at some defining moments in the Bible. In John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, our Lord Jesus experienced a defining moment when he performed the miracle of turning water into wine. 
This was a moment that Jesus was recognized for who he was. The moment that defined him as a miracle worker. The moment that people began to put their faith in him. It was the moment that defined his mission on earth. The, mom the moment that his glory was revealed. One of the greatest defining moments in the Bible is the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without which there will be no salvation. There will be no forgiveness or remission of sin. And we will all perish. And those can be found in places like John 3:16 through 18, Hebrews 9:22, Isaiah 53:5, and Romans 6:23. Another defining moment in the ministry of our Lord Jesus happened when the disciples were crossing the sea with him, and they encountered a great storm. And you've all heard the story. In Mark chapter 4, 30, verses 37 through 41 we see another defining moment for Jesus Christ as he calmed the raging sea and his disciples were able to recognize and acknowledge the awesome power of his mighty act. This event was also a defining moment for the disciples as they were able to identify, as Jesus was able to identify, their lack of faith. So that's a major defining moment. Job is another person that experienced a defining moment in the Bible. Job, <coughs> excuse me, passed through a moment of crisis that stripped him of his wealth and family, and he was tempted to curse God. This was a moment that shaped Job and turned his life around from wealth to poverty instantly. That can be found in Job chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. As an aside, can you actually imagine if you read through the chapter where he got sores on him and he was actually scraping off his, all I could think about was him scraping off his sores uh, on his body. And uh, in all of this, he did not sin in what he says. It, it said, it's like, I don't, I'm not sure I could do that. I'm not sure I could say, oh my, you know, whatever, say, take this away. And so it's just like, wow. In Daniel 3.16 through 28, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and we were talking about that in our Daniel study a little bit on uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday nights. There's a plug for the, bi the Bible study. Come on out on Wednesday nights. Uh, they refused to worship the golden image of King, King Nebuchadnezzar, and they were thrown, in <coughs> thrown into the fiery furnace. But the fire did not burn them. This was a defining moment that caused the king to recognize the wonder-working power of God upon the life of these three men. Similarly, in Daniel chapter 6, verses 12 through 28, Daniel refused to follow King Darius's decree that no one should pray to any other god except him. Daniel continued to pray to his god, and the king decided to throw him into the lion's den. And I believe he was there for a week. <coughs> Daniel believed that God would save him, and miraculously, the hungry lion did not hurt him, didn't come near him. This amused the king, and he made a rule for everyone in the land to serve the God of Daniel. Daniel made history in his land and caused the rule of the land to change. He also prospered and had a new beginning. <clears throat> so there's another person, if you really read in it, that was able to change an entire city uh, by faith. So how do, you how do you react during a defining moment? 
Just think of your friends and family who didn't look for Jesus, but there he was. That led to the thought of, what moments am I standing in the way for others when Jesus shows up for them? And I don't know why that trickled in on me, but it did. Uh, I started thinking about, like, am I, am I over-talking people? Am I standing in their way? Am I focused on, you know, trying to tell them exactly how they should believe and uh, how they should come to Jesus? There's a way, but it's how many, how many, am I standing in the way? Am I the one stopping Jesus by blocking them from their fellowship with Jesus and their defining moment? It's actually from another sermon I was, I was working on. I sort of occasionally I'll write notes down of things I think about, but I'm going to touch on it. <coughs> Two ways we hinder others from encountering God in their defining moment. People can't see God through our noise. Now, if you think about this, I wonder sometimes if unbelievers can't find Jesus in some of our churches simply because they can't see him through the fog of our entertainment. They see the light shows, trendy videos, etc. But they're never actually confronted with the Spirit's power of the gospel itself, which is the good news that Jesus can save you. In other churches, the noise is not the entertainment, but their schedule. I know plenty of Bible-believing churches who are noisy as all get out with their calendars. We've seen it. Every week is full of children's programs, kids' theater, youth sports camps, music programs, social programs, Christian scrapbooking, Christian knitting, and on and on. Now, don't get me wrong. None of these are bad of themselves. But our churches are so busy with their internal programs that they're not even stopping to think that 80% of their neighbors are bound for an eternity in hell. Now, the next one may make you feel a bit uncomfortable. People can't see God through our sin. The reason Jesus was so mad at the money changers in Jerusalem was because of the sin of the religious people. Can you imagine all of the people in Jerusalem for Passover? They're coming in, coming for Passover. Most of them have probably traveled from far away. <clears throat> Some, it may even be their first time in the temple since last year. Or for others, even their first time ever. And they made it to this really holy place. And what's their first impression? What's their first impression of God's holy temple? Their first experience was basically being robbed by the money changers. They were essentially stealing those people's hard-earned money in the name of God. Talking about, you know, again, stealing their money. Jesus was mad. That's how serious he is about hindering people from encountering God and their possible defining moment. That's a defining moment. People were stopped right at the gates, if you will, of the church, right at the doorway of the church, just because of that. <coughs> Too many people today claiming that they are Christians are doing the same thing. We come into a house of worship and we look no different from the world. How we treat other people, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, what we look at, what we lust at, how we sleep around, what comes out of our mouth, the unrighteous anger that comes forth from us, and on and on. And I've been there. I've been there with anger and things. I struggled with that my entire life. I get angry at stuff, and I've, I've apologized a lot of times to both family and friends and whatever, just for just unrighteous anger. As a human, it's easy, it's easy to let the emotion dictate our response during a defining moment. And how we re-respond re during such moment will determine the beginning of a journey that will shape our faith, 
our personality, our walk with God, and literally change the direction of our life. So what situation are you in at the moment? Are you under pressure and have been advised by families and friends to curse God and die like Job's wife said to him? We heard, and I, when I wrote this, I said a week or so ago, but it was a while back now. We just heard last week about someone in our extended family who was told, just don't get married and just live together. It's fine. It's okay. Or are you tempted to renounce your identity as a Christian and serve another like God, uh, another God like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Are you taking your anger out on people around you, like your wife, husband, kids, colleagues, mom, dad, friends, and family? Or are you planning to harm yourself because you're faced with challenges of life that is beyond your control and you're about to give up? Again, this was a few weeks ago. I heard the story of a 28-year-old woman that committed suicide because she was abused by her husband and told by others around her at church that she must just stick it out and take the abuse. So she killed herself, and that was her defining moment, and she took her life. Please don't let that happen to anyone hearing this message. Talk to someone here or elsewhere about what you're going through. Uh, there is help. We can help. If you don't want to talk to us, there's all kinds of hotlines out there that you can actually talk to people if you're thinking of harming yourself. <clears throat> In Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 41, the disciples of Jesus reacted negatively to their defining moment. They were angry and charged Jesus for not caring about them. Jesus rebuked them and challenged their lack of faith. So how do you react during your moment of crisis? Do you blame God, or do you trust him for deliverance? The woman in the Bible that had the issue of blood reacted positively to her situation by having faith in Jesus. She faced her fear. She took a step of faith and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and she was made whole. And that's one little example. Do you face your fear and build up your faith? during your defining moment, or do you just break down and cry without trusting God? And to let you know, I break down at times, and I know others do too. And it just needs, we need reminding at times to pull, you know, to help pull yourself out of a hole. And that's why you uh, worship with friends and family and whatever, and you tell them you don't keep things inside. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with death, and they reacted positively by trusting in the Lord, and they were delivered, just like Daniel was. How would you react when you were threatened with death for being a Christian? And if you were threatened, and sometimes you are. Would you change your mind and renounce God, or would you hold on to your faith and stand firm in the Lord? How do you react during your moment of celebration? Do you boast in yourself, I am the greatest, instead of boasting in God for the job well done? Or do you praise yourself for your achievement instead of praising God? Jesus gave a parable about a rich man in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20. The rich man had a defining moment because he had an abundant harvest and he started planning how he will store his surplus grain over the years. He was also planning how he will relax, how he will eat, drink, and celebrate his achievement. But the same night, God called him a fool and asked him for his life. Instead of the man thanking God for his blessings and trusting God for more bountiful harvest, 
He leaned on his own understanding and he forsook God. What about you? What about me? Do you lean on your own understanding during your, def during your defining moment? Do you plan to celebrate your moment of achievement and success without involving God? Do you take action without seeking direction from God? The Bible in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 says, this isn't a Bible drill, by the way. It's just, <laughs> it just worked out that way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. The biggest problem with our defining, uh, we may face in our defining moments is how to react when they occur. What do we do? How do you react to it? For all the ones I mentioned and many more, I didn't, and the many more I didn't, their defining moment caused their life to be changed. Again, it did for me. Their life was heading in one direction. God touched their life in some way, and their life headed in a different direction. And the key is here, because they listened. They heard it, and they listened. They focused on the listening and not the talking, which is difficult for people like me. <laughs> if that's what defining moment is, some of us this morning in this church desperately need our defining moment. We need a defining moment in our health. We need a defining moment in our marriages. We need a defining moment in our finances. We need a defining moment to break the bondage of addiction. And we need a defining moment to, bake, to break the doldrums of our spiritual condition. And we get like that, don't we? We get into a doldrum. I actually long for defining moments. I think about them, I don't say all the time, but I do think about them. And you may need a defining moment in your life also. We need to be able to recognize when we're at a defining moment. Now to do that, I'm going to look back at Jesus again. He had many defining moments in his life. In Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out out of the water, he saw a heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Now we know that we're in a defining moment in our life when we feel that we must leave the safety of what we know to do what we are compelled to do. Actually, I heard Freya talk about that one time in one of our in a study where she talked about defining moment. She didn't say a defining moment, but it was. It was like a challenge by God. Do this. And she does it. Jesus had a defining moment that said, it is time to begin. So he left the comfort of his mother's home and began his public ministry. He was compelled to do what he needed to do. There are times in our lives when we know that God wants us to do something. And we have to make that decision to do it no matter what. You are compelled to do it. And it will nag at you if you don't. We know that we are at a defining moment in our life when it is faith that dictates our decision 
rather than logic. Jesus was compelled to be baptized by John the baptizer. He didn't need to be baptized by John. After all, he's God. His faith in God's plan took over and logic took a back seat. Some people never have a defining moment in their life because they can't let faith control them. They don't let faith control them because it doesn't seem logical. The Bible is full of stories that prove faith overcomes logic. And that's one of Billy Graham's things. If you get a chance, you should go. Billy, one of Billy Graham's things in there, he says when he gets asked and he gets interviewed uh, by a few people, and it, and it shows you some of these interviews, and it just doesn't seem logical, and Billy Graham just kept going, yeah, right, it's faith. You've got to working with faith. We know that we are at a defining moment in our life when our choices are about pleasing God and not pleasing ourselves. Remember, Jesus didn't need to be baptized and yet he was compelled to do it. Why? Because he wanted to please his Father. What did God say to Jesus when he came up out of the water? You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. If we're doing things that bring more attention to ourselves than to God, then we're probably not experiencing a defining moment. We need to be pleasing God. We know that we are at a defining moment in our life when it seems that life just got harder because we're trying to do the right thing. I met a man in the UK one time when we were living in Germany. We went to see some friends in England. And he was a gunner in uh, World War II. And he was in one of those belly pieces. You know, he was on the back end underneath. Most of the time, if the plane crashed, if the plane crashed those people were the first to die. And he survived. He says, but you know, uh, you, you know when uh, you're close to the target because when the enemy is shooting all around you, the enemy is shooting and shooting and shooting all around you, and you know you're doing the right thing. And just think about that in relationship to Jesus. Jesus was obedient to God, and that obedience led him to the desert where he went 40 days without anything to eat. And after the 40 days, he was tempted by the enemy. I heard the other day, uh, it was on the radio actually, uh, it talks about new level, new devil. So whatever level you get to, there's always going to be a new devil. That you know, it just means that there's new pressures. So you just got to keep diligent. It's not easy being obedient to God. Look what it got Paul. He was shipwrecked, beaten, thrown in jail, left for dead because his defining moment led him to obedience to God. We know that we are in a defining moment in our life when we can see God's hand of protection all over us. Jesus was a young man, and we forget how old he wasn't at times, if you think about it. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. And that's Mark chapter 1, verse 13. If you think also about this, no food means no strength. If you've ever been for any extended period of time with no food, you know you can't manage and eventually you will pass. But he didn't have to worry because God was going to take care of him just as God protected the Israelites as they went into the promised land. God promises that he will protect us in the same way. Have you had a defining moment lately? Right now can be the moment that we finally tell God yes. Yes, God. I will do what you ask me to do. Yes, God, I will walk by faith and not by sight. 
Yes, God, I will please you rather than please myself. Yes, God, I am willing to take the harder road if it be your will. And yes, God, I will trust you even when what you ask me to do seems scary. We're living in a time when we need a defining moment in our lives, a time in our lives that says, I will grow, I will change, I will serve him better. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about your house? So what do we learn here today? One, in every moment we can trust Jesus. And a moment, there can be good moments and bad moments along the way. And we all know that. It never promises it's going to be a bed of roses. It's like it's life. It's going to be good and bad moments. No matter what we go through, we can trust Jesus to bring us through and to help us be more like him. Two, in every moment, Jesus is with us. In every moment, we are never out of the presence of Christ. He will never leave us and never let us go. We will never go through anything alone, not now and not ever. Never alone. And three, in every moment, we need Jesus. No matter what moments we have, we need Jesus. We need him through the good times and especially in the challenging times. There's never a time when we don't need Jesus. And to, con to conclude this, I'm going to leave you with a quote from Billy Graham, because that's what I've been mentioning going down there. And as you see up here, face honestly your need for God and open your heart and life to Jesus Christ. He loves you so much that he was willing to give his life for your salvation. And with that, that's <laughs> with that drop, that was me. Uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for that. Uh, I don't know if anybody else needed to say anything up here, but that was it. Do we need anything? Okay, go do it. Come on up. Come on up. I, I shouldn't say it's strange because this has happened over and over and over. Um, but God has a plan in all things large and small. And uh, I had prepared a song that we were going to practice, and we played it uh, on Thursday and thought, oh, that's a little much, maybe we won't do that one, and we didn't do it. And then this in the past three days, this song has been stuck in my head over and over. I woke up singing the song, and I, my daughter Addie sang it with me. Julia said, oh, I know that song. I love that song. And um, I thought, well, we'll just save it for another time. And then the very end of the conclusion, you mentioned the song by name, more or less. And so I think, I think we'll, we'll close with this, if that's all right. Please, let's remain seated. I, I, I don't know if this is one to sing along with or not, but I, I invite you to let it sink into your heart. As each day passes by, I feel my love run dry. I get so weary 
warm and tossed around in the storm. Well, I'm blind to all his needs, and I'm tired of planting seeds. I seem to have a well of so many thoughts about myself. I want to, I need to be more like Jesus. I want to, I need to be more like Him. Our Father's will was done by giving us His Son. Who paid the highest cost To point us to the cross And when I think of Him Taking on the whole world's sin I take one look at me Compared to what I'm called to be I want to, I need to be more like Jesus. I want to, I need to be more like Him. Remember there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a end of all my prayers is to care like my Lord cares my one and only goal his image in my soul yes my weakness is revealed when by his stripes I'm healed he's faithful and he's true to complete the work he begins in you I want to I need to be more like Jesus I want to I need to be more like him remember there's greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. Amen. Go into a blessed week and serve the Lord.